This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. What would you do if you saw someone in danger? Well, for Louis Medina, the answer was simple. Do everything that you can to help, even if you're putting your own life at risk. Last fall, the West Suburban Aurora man didn't hesitate to act when he saw a driver stuck in a railroad crossing as a train was approaching at 40 miles per hour. Now, this extraordinary act of heroism helped him save the driver's life, and it hasn't gone unnoticed. Louis Medina is one of 16 recipients of the 2022 Carnegie Medal, the highest honor given throughout the U.S. and Canada for civilian heroism. He came by the studio to share his story, and I first asked him if that October night was a typical end of the workday for him. No, I was just um, waiting to take my grandson home. Um, normally, I'm sleeping by then, you know, around 7. Um, so I was a little frustrated because I had to wait for my granddaughter to call me and tell me she's home so I can take my grandson home. So it was about 8.25, 8.26 is when she called. And I said, all right, let's go. So my daughter grabbed my grandson, Josiah, and um, we got in a car and, I'm like three houses away from the railroad track. Mm -hmm. So it was a nice summer night. We had the windows down. And then as we were crossing over the railroad tracks, I hear these wheels spinning on the tracks. And to my left, here's this vehicle, like kind of teeter-tottering on one of the tracks. And you sprung into action pretty quickly. Yes. What made you do that? It's just what I do. You know, I mean, I knew somebody was in need, so I... Right when we made it over the tracks, I told my daughter, we probably should call 911. You know, there's somebody that needs help. And then I spun the car around and I got 911 on the phone. And when you called 911, I mean, I listened to that tape, Lewis, and you could hear the adrenaline, the fear. You could hear it all in your voice. There's a car stuck on the railroad tracks. He's trying to get out and he can't. It's an SUV. He's spinning his wheels right now. Oh my gosh, there's a train coming. Okay, let me, Prairie, let me try hold to get them on out. one second, sir. Prairie and Barnes, is he in the car? Prairie and Barnes, yes. But I, there's a train coming and they're okay, stuck on the track. Okay, hold on one second. Hold on one second. Okay. Hold on, hold on ma'am. Hold on, ma'am. Hey, get out! Get out! What was going through your head? I just knew that he needed help. So that's why I put my car in a safe zone there for my daughter and my grandson. And um, I started approaching the tracks. And then I see a train coming, and I realized we didn't have no time at all. So that's when I sprung into action, just opened the door, tried to talk to him. I still have 911 on the call. And um, he was coherent, but he wasn't actually saying anything. His hands were froze on the steering wheel. Um, what did you think was going on with him at the time? Well, at first, I thought he was drunk. Okay. Because I find out later that when somebody has a diabetic attack, that they sent out this odor like alcohol through their pores, I guess, is what they said. So um, so is that what was really going on with him? Was it no, a he diabetic a, attack? Yes, he had a diabetic attack. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And this is an older gentleman, Yeah, right? I think he was 72 years old. Mm -hmm. My goodness. So you call 911. You have the operator on the line. Meanwhile, you are bear-hugging this man, trying to yank him out of the car. Correct. Right? Yeah, well, I had to take his seatbelt off, you know, and then I just grabbed him in a bear hug, thinking that he's going to put his arms around me. I'm not thinking. And I pulled him up, and he just slipped right out of my arms. So then I hear, like, a tap on the horn of the train. Now, I don't know if they actually see me or not, but 
then I realized, oh, I got to get him out of the vehicle so that I could assess the situation from there. So when I grabbed him and pulled him out, he fell right between the tracks. Oh, my goodness. So I'm like, I'm panicking. I, go, I, I think you could even hear me on the 911 call say, no. Are they out? No. So, I, you know, I'm trying to tell him to give me your arm. He's not moving. So I just grabbed him by his leg and his arm, and I slung him on the other side of the railroad tracks. But he just landed right on the other side, and I knew he was still too close to the tracks. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And you rolled him down a hill, well, essentially? I, yes. I told him to roll down, but again, he wasn't doing it. So I'm trying to roll him down, and he it ain't rolling well. So then I just grabbed his arm and dragged him down. It's like 17 feet from the track to the bottom of the hill there. Was he hurt? Well, his arm was bleeding, and I think that was from the rocks that are on the tracks there. So, yeah. Were you hurt? No. No. My goodness. I mean, of course, his arm bleeding, that's... This could have been a completely different outcome, right? Mm -hmm. So now this was last October, right? October Mm -hmm. 2021. We're nine months removed from this, Mm -hmm. Lewis. How do you feel today even just recounting everything? I mean, it's a lot of fuss. I wasn't looking for none of this, you know. Um, I, I remember, you know, a long time ago being a man of God, asking God if he ever gave me a platform that I would boast about you. So I'm wondering if that's what this is all about for me. So, You're being hailed a hero. Yeah. Every time I hear that, like I said before, it cringes me because I, I don't look at it like that, you know. You don't look at it like that. So you, you said before when I asked you what made you spring into action so quickly, you said, that's what I do. Yeah. So this is characteristic of you. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're I like often... helping people. So, yeah? Yeah. So have you been in any other intense situations like this one? Well, not intense, but it's funny you said that. Maybe about two months ago, I, on a Friday, we just I work in construction. This lady on Route 56, I was on Weisbrook Road getting ready to go westbound, and she turned in front of me and, and jumped the median. And so I pulled over, and I asked her if she was all right, and she says she's confused. So I said, well, stay right there. Normally that street is real busy. So I jump out of the truck and I go over there and I said, how about if you get in your car and I'll tell you what to do before cars come? Well, she got in the car and she was just still distraught of what happened. So then I I asked her, let me me get in the car. Well, I backed it up off the median and it came right out. No no damage to her car, nothing. And then she started saying something about... My angel and all that. Well, then shortly after that, a week or so later, she calls my job and tells them. So my boss, you know, he started saying something about when you get to the pearly gates. I said, what? And I didn't understand <laughs> what he was talking about. But then he told me that she had called. And I said, wow, that was pretty cool. Louis, yeah. so this is this is really you. <laughs> this is you. Yeah. How does it feel to be receiving this honor? You know, to be honest with you, I'm still overwhelmed with this. I, I there's so much. I mean, yeah. I don't know if I really know the impact of this. Everybody's saying it's, it's the one. I used to tell my daughter, there's no way that this is too much. You know, they, I won't even be considered this. You know, and then I get nominated for it, and then when I get a, the phone call, it's like, can you say that again? You know, yeah, it was yeah pretty wild. Is yeah. this something that you learned growing up? This want. Of, of helping others? Yeah, that's how I was raised, you know, um, yeah. just taking care of people when you can. 
you know? Yeah. So You mentioned your daughter quite a bit in this conversation. Yeah. She's also here with you today. I mean, did she or any other family members maybe flash before your eyes as, as this traumatic scene was, was, was taking place? Well, when it all happened and then as soon as I got him down in the embankment, I'm thinking, okay, if this train derails, you know, can I get back to them in time to make sure that nothing's going to happen to them? And as I'm trying to walk in the dark there to get to them, I realized the train was going to be fine, you know, wasn't going to derail. So I turned back around to make sure the man was okay. And as soon as I knew he was stable enough, I told him to wait right there that I'm going to go check on the kids. So that's yeah. what I did. Yeah. So Hannah, nice to meet you. Hi. First of all, how old are you? I am 21 years old. You're 21. You were there that night. You yes. were in the car with him. Tell me your side of things. What, what did you see? I saw the guy on the tracks, and then my dad called 911. He had jumped out of the car, but I was trying to calm down my nephew that was in the car at the time. He was scared. and so What did he it, think? He was terrified. I don't think he knew what to think. He was yeah. terrified, and he kept clinging on to me. And were you able to sort of remain calm for him, or were you also freaking out inside? I was inside, I was, but I tried my best to remain calm for him so he wouldn't freak out as much. I started to get, I think, the most freaked out is when I uh, heard the train, and I looked behind me, and I saw the yeah. gate close mm -hmm. and the horn and then it just all went quiet. And where was your dad at that time I that you could see? I didn't know. I couldn't see anything. It was so dark. That's terrifying, for sure. I didn't see her side of the story. I was, I'm up there doing what I'm doing, and all of a sudden she sees the railroad gate come down, the lights flashing, the bell ringing, and then, you know, she doesn't hear me anymore. So when I got to the car, she was crying, and so was my grandson. And then she realized I was fine, so yeah. that's when I told her to call a neighbor of ours, Israel, to come and get them out of the way because there's going to be a lot of action over here pretty quick. It sounds like it all happened very quickly. And in, in, from what you just said, a lot of people were on edge. But I wonder, do you have moments where you think to yourself, my gosh, <laughs> I could have I died? Yeah, I mean, I do think about that sometimes. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean— I didn't think about it when I was doing it, but afterwards, you know, I, I did think about it. And after everything died down, when we got home, my daughter and I, she asked me, was I going to wake up my wife? And uh, I said, no. And she said, why? I said, because then she won't go back to sleep. So I waited till she got up in the morning and uh, and then I told her. And she's, you know, couldn't believe what she, you know what I just told her. So yeah, and then she did mention that I could have died, but I didn't think of it like that. Not once. I just thought that I had to do what I had to do, you know, and that's it. I, yeah, I still get emotional about it. Yeah. yeah. You're both so very emotional. Nine months later. Yeah, what the whole incident is still extremely vivid in my head. Especially the 911 call, that as well. You heard that afterwards? Yeah. yeah. Your dad said that this is pretty characteristic of him to want to help others, to maybe even put his own life on the line. What have you witnessed? Yeah, 
That's pretty accurate for my dad. Yeah? He would do that. Have you seen other instances where he's helped someone and kind of gone out of his way? Yeah. I've seen a lot of times where he's done stuff like that. I wasn't surprised when he leaped into action for the guy in the car. So many people would not have done what you did, Lewis. Right now, we're in this time where you're supposed to stay isolated, right? You're supposed to stay away from people, a lot of folks minding their business, kind of carrying on, doing what they need to do for themselves. How has this changed your outlook on life and maybe even the way that you interact with people? Not that I mean, I'm always looking to try to see if I can be an assist to somebody, you know, in a good way. You know, I, I really believe that that's what we're supposed to do. And it's still hard for me to believe that somebody wouldn't help somebody. You know, I, I can't fathom that. I can't grasp that. You know, that ain't the way I was taught. You know, so it, it is hard for me. I, people have said, no, you'd be surprised. And there can't be that many bad people out there, you know. I mean, you would think that everybody would reach out and help someone when they were in need. Hannah, as his daughter, what do you think about if, God forbid, a similar situation was to happen again, where your father is in the right place at the right time to help someone, and it, it could be, you know, a, another traumatic event. It could be risky. What kind of advice are you giving him? Are you th- thinking, all right, Dad, we've been down this road before. Let's not. Or are you like, go ahead. This is you. This is what you're meant to do. Even if I tried to stop him, if something like that happened, he wouldn't He wouldn't have listened to me. He just would have ran out. I know how he is. No matter how many times I've, I can try and tell him, he won't. How do you feel about the fact that he's being hailed a hero? <laughs> I am very proud of him, and I'm happy that he's still alive today, that he didn't get hurt in that crash. I'm not surprised that he would be hailed a hero, even though he keeps telling me that he doesn't think he should have been. Yeah. Well, you know, he doesn't want to be hailed a hero, but I mean, has he been your lifelong hero? Yeah, he has. For a lot of it, yeah. That was Hannah Medina talking about her dad, Lewis. He's one of two Illinois residents who are being honored with the Carnegie Medal for Extraordinary Heroism. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.